so excited to be in the house of the Lord today, and we're about to get ready to worship this morning. <laughs> so God, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the beautiful weather. We thank you that we can come in and we can worship you freely. We give you all of our praise today and every day. Amen.
God some praise this morning. Father, we belong to you. Our lives belong to you. And in Psalm, as well as in Hebrews, it says that everything on the earth belongs to God. That means you and all its people. And I believe that God doesn't want anything on your life except his hand so that when they do the forensics of your life, you'll have one testimony and it'll be had it not been for God in your life. Come on, somebody give God some praise this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you. Today is going to be a good day. Go and look at your neighbor as you grab a seat and say, today is going to be a good day. It's going to be a great day. We're so glad that you chose to be in the house of the Lord with us this morning. And we just want to say a special welcome to all of our guests, whether in person or watching online. Dotha First, can we welcome our guests this morning? Welcome. We're so glad that you're here. And there's a few things we want to encourage you to do. If you'll take out your smartphone, scan the QR code on the screen, you can text D1 text to 84576 or grab the connect card from the seat back in front of you. Please fill out as much information as you can for us to have so that as you exit today, you can drop that connect card in the giving boxes located in the back of the sanctuary. Or what we ask and, and encourage you to do is meet us in our guest reception. We would love to meet you, exchange that connect card for a gift, and just thank you for being with us this morning. Some of our pastors and our leadership team will be in there. But can we uh, welcome our first time guests one more time this morning? So glad that you're here. We always want to keep you updated on things going on, and uh, this isn't in the announcements, but I want to add this just because we need to. I love honoring people, but tomorrow is Pastor Michelle's birthday. Can y'all give it up for Pastor Michelle? Happy birthday. We'll tell her again tomorrow. We'll get her some coffee and all those other good things. But I uh, also want to encourage you that Trunk or Treat is coming up, and I want you to be excited about that. Here's why. It's an opportunity for us to reach our city, to do some effective outreach. It'll be a safe alternative for your children. So I want to encourage you to do a number of things. Number one, go ahead and scan that QR code. But for those of you that are creative, you like to have fun and dress up and all those things, we want to encourage you to be a trunk host. You can sign up in the lobby. And by the way, there's a contest for this. So whoever has the best trunk, I, I don't know what you may get. You may get a brand new car. That's not true. But you need to make sure that you sign up to be a trunk host so that we can continue to reach this next generation. I don't know about you, but I would love for us to partner together as a church to continue to reach our city. It's going to be a great way for you to do that. So please sign up in the lobby. Also, we want to encourage you right now, you may be sitting in the room. Uh, follow us on social media if you aren't already. You can stay connected with any of our platforms. Uh, you can rewatch, rewatch, excuse me, some of the messages. And I just want to encourage you as well. This series has been special. It's been unique. So if you missed any week, uh, I encourage you to go back. It's almost as if if you missed the Sunday it's like listening to a song skipping uh, you really need to go fill in those spots so I want to encourage you to go back and check out any of the messages that you missed and then last but not least uh, we want to uh, encourage you to that today in your giving is speed the light Sunday and this is one of the ways that yeah y'all give it up for speed the light it is one arm of what we're calling Kingdom Builders, and this is the way that our young people, uh, the youth students here at Dothan First and around the world, partner in missions to spread the gospel all over the world uh, by providing vehicles for missionaries to speed the light of the gospel everywhere. And uh, you're going to get ready to watch a video in just a moment, but I did want to share this with you. I was actually supposed to leave for Israel today at 3 p.m., and Pastor Mark's going to pray over Israel, and there's some other things in that as well. But not just uh, does Israel need our prayers, we still want to reach the world with the gospel, amen? 
So as we get ready to prepare to give later on in the service, I want to encourage you to partner with students literally all across the world because this is what we say to them, that every dollar given could possibly represent a soul being saved. So maybe you should ask yourself this morning, uh, how many souls are in your pocket? How many people do you want to make sure is in heaven because of your generosity? So with that being said, we would encourage you to check out this video. Partial, halfway, mediocre. These words do not describe your generation. Unconventional, sacrificial, resilient, passionate, faithful. This is who he created you to be. Believing you can, you can provide vehicles for our missionaries. You can propel the gospel through media and social networking. You can influence culture and impact the globe. But I believe this is just the beginning. You have just begun to dream about conquering the world water crisis through conventional means. You have just begun to speak up for those who are in poverty and shout out for those who have been trafficked. You have just begun to be launched to act on behalf of the lost on your campus, community, nation, and globe. Through Speed the Light, your generation has decided to be all in. All in to fight for the abandoned. All in to quench the thirst of those who have been ignored. All in to restore the broken. All in to provide transportation. All in to equip with communication. And all in to demonstrate compassion to all people. I am calling on your generation to be all in this year for allowing God to use you to your fullest potential to spread his gospel until all know the truth of his word and the love of Jesus. Rise up and be all in to speed the light to the world. Amen. And we are all in. We are all in through Kingdom Builders, through Speed the Light, so many aspects of your giving that is reaching the world. And once again, I want to say thank you on behalf of all of the missionaries that we support monthly because of your generosity. We're making a difference, friends. And because of your giving, because of your generosity, we're speeding the light of the gospel message of Jesus Christ around the world. And uh, this is a time where we get to give. Uh, so this is the time where we get to celebrate in what God has given to us. We have a, not just an opportunity, but then a responsibility to be able to give back from what God has given to us. And so we're going to take a moment and pray over our time of giving. We're also wanting to include another uh, continued strategic prayers for Israel. And, uh, you know, there are, the Bible talks about wars and rumors of war that will take place uh, in end times and I do believe that I do believe we are living in last days and these are just the signs of the times that what we see in the natural has been taking place in the supernatural there's been a war that's been taking place over uh, the lives of people and what I can tell you about our God and the strategy of our God that that even in the midst of, of war even in the midst of devastation that it's almost, it's almost like the gospel begins to thrive when the enemy fights it and attacks it. It's almost like the, the light continues to dispel darkness. 
We've heard of reports in Ukraine that revival is taking place in Ukraine as a result of us uh, sending, we, we didn't just send, uh, you know, M16s friends from our government. I promise you, we sent John 316s to that war-torn country and we've sent Bibles. We as a church committed uh, to sending thousands and thousands of Bibles and uh, committed to helping those pastors there in Ukraine. And God is uh, moving miraculously in the middle of a war-torn country. I'm believing the same can happen in Israel, that the light of God can shine in the middle of darkness. And that not only will, will physical, uh, physical people that have been captured will be set free, but spiritually people will be set free. Let's pray to that end. Lord Jesus, we do pray for Israel. We pray for peace in Jerusalem and peace uh, to our Christian brothers and to those who are right now in harm's way. God, I speak life and, and uh, God, safety to them. Lord, and literally around the world, to underground churches around the world and to places that, Lord, we often don't speak of, but they're putting their lives on the line for their faith in Christ. Lord, I pray over them now. And as we prepare, Lord, to give back to you what you've given to us, that we want to give a, a seed that we sow generously and strategically to win our world to Jesus Christ. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to partner with you. And you said, when we make our plans with you, we better make them large because you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And I thank you, God, for a generous church that as we sow in, I pray that they would reap a harvest of 30, 60, and 100 times that which has been sown. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray it all. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you give. And uh, today, we have a couple of celebrations, as Pastor Will alluded to. Uh, it's both Michelle and my son's uh, birthdays. They're just two days apart, so we got to celebrate them. And uh, yeah, give it up for them. Yeah. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And sweetie, I'm not going to, I won't physically present it to you, but right underneath your seat, I feel like Oprah right now, under your seat and under your seat, under your seat is a special gift for you, some flowers and uh, a bouquet of flowers just to say how much I love you. And uh, yeah, I'm so proud to be your husband. I'm so grateful to God that uh, he's blessed me with you. So thank you for that. You can hand them off to Griffin because I know he wants to hold them right now. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. There's, there's, there's not a gift of flowers under there for you, buddy. I'm sorry. It's just not that way. But, uh, but today is also a very special day because we get to celebrate the, the month, month-long Pastor Appreciation Month in October. And of course, I know that as a church of this size and the love that you have for each of our staff pastors, I know you blessed Michelle and I, and there's a strategic time in the year that the board uh, has a, a moment where we're recognized and we're so appreciative. But for our staff pastors, you know, they're really the team, uh, the teamwork that makes the dream work. It's really true, and we have the best of the best. So I would like for all of your staff pastors and their spouses, would you come up on stage right now? And can you as a church give a huge round of applause to these amazing leaders? Come on. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Come on. Give it up for them. All year long serving and giving. We love you guys. 
Come on up, come on up, come on up. Yeah. This is awesome right here. Yeah, y'all are good. Y'all are good. This is, y'all can be seated. Thank you. This is such an amazing opportunity that we get to celebrate. And um, Michelle and I are honored that we get to do this. And one of the things that I, I want to start with is one of the newest and almost official uh, members of this team. We've pretty much made it like official anyway, because we love you, but. 27 more days, guys, <laughs> right there. And how many hours and how many minutes? I'm just kidding. But uh, Hunter, we're so proud of you. Thank you for the gift that you are to this team and to your almost wife. Uh, you know, we've seen, yeah, we've seen a faithfulness in you that just is amazing. And I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. You know, I've, I've been able to watch before y'all ever were an item, you were faithful to the house of the Lord, which is probably what made you the most attractive guy in the whole church because of his passion for the Lord. But I just want to say thank you for your faithfulness. We saw that from a distance. Now we get to see it up close. Thank you so much. And we so appreciate you. And and uh, Pastor Hayden, we yes, love you. Yes, and so what I've done today and is come up with words um, that I feel like represent each of our females up here. And I've, I've got to be honest, it's so hard to just pick one word. But I did it, and I'm proud of myself for doing that. You know? <laughs> but really praying into it of what um, the word means. And, and Pastor Hayden, the word for you that I have today is wisdom. And the definition of wisdom is the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, having insight, good sense, and judgment. And I just want to say this over you. I appreciate that you have a seat at my table. I appreciate your voice in my life and in this ministry. There have been so many times that, I don't know, maybe it's two o'clock in the morning, the Lord gives me a, a crazy idea of what to do. And I always come to Hayden, I'm like, Hayden, can you come to my office? And she'll sit down and I know that she has wisdom. You'll either tell me, yeah, we can do this, or you might want to think about doing it this way. But I also know that you hear from the Lord. And when you say, I feel like the Lord has said this, I know to listen because I've learned to trust that you hear from him. And I'm thankful for the wisdom that's on you and that I get to benefit from and this church gets to benefit from. And I yeah. love you. Yeah, we love you guys. And Pastor Josh, I got to say, you know, every year I, I have this moment where I say, you know, I can't say enough about your creativity and all these things but the Lord really put back in my heart the the loyalty of friendship because what you guys don't probably understand is we've been walking this journey of ministry for a very 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 long time uh, long before we ever had the pleasure of knowing you we had a chance to minister together and what I, what I've seen in you is a loyalty of friendship and a care and a concern for 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 your pastor and your friend. Um, I, I, I won't go into details, but there was one moment where someone came in and Pastor Josh thought that they were coming in to hurt me. That, that he really did. And I, I did too. And, and she did too. And, and who would want to hurt me? I'm such a nice guy, but she, it, it, was a it, it was a crazy situation. Anyway, and I saw Pastor Josh. I thought he was going to jump over 
He didn't even put, he like put up, he had his dukes up right. Like, I, I, you know, fight in the spirit, my friend. Uh, but thank you for your love and your loyalty, your faithfulness and your committedness to the body of Christ, to the Lord, to your spouse, to your kids, to the calling and to us personally. Thank you. We love you. Yeah. Pastor Natalie, word for you today is compassionate. And I think everybody that knows Pastor Nally would agree with that. The definition is sympath sympathetic consciousness of others' distress together with a desire to alleviate it. And so I would agree that not only are you compassionate and passionate for the children of this house and your protectiveness of it. How many times have I heard you say, well, I've got to think about the kids. I'm, you know, those are my kids and how much you love the kids. But I don't know if most of you know this, but Pastor Natalie is the voice and the hands every week of Feed Dothan. And she is such a minister to the community through that. Like I have seen you um, love on people and pray for people. You know everybody's story and you have such compassion. And I will tell you, I mean, there's been times that even when somebody's been mean to her, and she says to me, well, I can kind of see their side because of this and this compassion that pours out of you. And I, as the mom, wants to fight them for <laughs> you. But I have to say, it really does encourage me and spurs me on to be more compassionate, to ask the Lord for that spirit in my life. So thank you for how you show compassion each and every week. Yeah. And Pastor Will, I want to say thank you as... Uh, an encourager you know words of affirmation are pretty significant uh, to those of us that speak that love language um, but it's one thing to be able to receive them and desire to have them it's another thing to desire to give them and you give them so freely to so many in the body of Christ in youth ministry to leaders and others but to give that to to me personally uh, is is a it's a special gift from a youth pastor who typically in, in ministries like uh, you know, children, youth, and worship, um, they're solely focused on that singular vision of that ministry being their ministry, but you've never made it a silo. It, it's, it's not a vision unto itself. It's an extension of a vision. And there's been so many times that you've started a series without knowing the series direction that I was heading, and it coincided which was just proof that we were in sync in the spirit as well. But I want to say thank you for your words of encouragement. Uh, they've been such a blessing that week after week, not only up here encouraging all of us to worship him, but encouraging others to be close to, to closely connected to their maker, to their spouse, to their kids, and to their friendships. And to, to from me to you, thank you so much for that. We love you. Pastor Lindsay Liu, like I said, today I'm doing it one word, okay? So today, your word is diligence. And the definition of that is characterized by steady, earnest, and energetic effort involved in often constant activity. And let me just say, I don't know how we even did life and ministry before she got here because she keeps us all on our toes and all in order. And there's so many things that you do that I know I got to do it to one word and, and I will. But just 
Lindsay has this calendar that is like, it's the Bible and then it's her calendar. And she has everything written that, that we're going to do or what we are supposed to do or even in our daily life and our daily. She keeps us all together. I'm pretty sure that on that calendar, in that calendar somewhere, the rapture is on one of those days. And in two weeks before, she's going to remind us all to get ready. And I'm just joking. I know no man knows the hour and, and day. Please do not email me. I'm not blaspheming. I'm just joking. But I'm serious. Like, there's so many times that I'm like, don't forget this. And she's like, I've already taken care of it. And she comes to me, don't forget this. Any event that we have and those post-it notes, the giant post-it notes that are amazing she is on it and you're such a planner and just so diligently and to, and and you do it in excellence that's the bottom line you do it in excellence and you do it because it's your gift um, and you do it out of your loyalty and love and i'm so thankful that you are have a seat at our table yeah Thank i love you. you pastor carl the word that came to my heart was this year was very different than the others because I know you're the CFO and you do so much around the church, you're an administrator and all the things that you put your hands to, but the word tenacious came to my heart this year because you've been through a lot and you're still fighting. You're, you've been through a lot and you're still strong and still running the race and still keeping your head above water and the, the things that God has called you to do even uh, it, it's, it's almost as though he's given you an extra dose of grace, a measure of grace to manage the chaos. And I want to say thank you. And interestingly, I should, I should just verify, it wasn't church stuff that was chaotic, okay? All the things were good here. And he, he's kept it that way always uh, for so many years. But the tenacity uh, of your heart to stay focused on him through the middle of the storms and the challenges uh, it has been absolutely amazing and it's been heartwarming to me because it says, you know, for, for those of us on the outside looking in sometimes, we're like, well, if he can do it, I can do it. If he can make it, I can make it. And that's a real, that's a real uh, standing of the test of time for you to showcase God's faithfulness in the middle of difficulty. So, Carl, thank you, Pastor Carl. We love you. Yeah. And Nicole... Your word this year is a little different, but I, the Lord dropped it in my heart. It's capacity. And the definition of that, the potential or suitability for holding, storing, or accommodating. The strength, the endurance, the persistence that you hold blows me away. And just, I, I you keep showing up. And I know that the root of it is because of the faith, the deep-rooted faith that you have. Life has punched you in the gut, and you keep showing up. It's knocked the breath out of you at times, and you're like, "Give me, let me have a, a couple of puffs of oxygen, and I'm going to keep going. It's because of your love for the Lord, your love for your family, your love for God's people. And I just honor and respect you so much. Because like Mark said, I know just even together this year alone, and don't get mad at me for saying this, but I'm just going to tell you. I mean, she's had two surgeries back-to-back, -back, major ones. And her daughter and um, son-in-law and two babies moved away. And how many of you mamas and grandmamas know that is enough to knock the breath out of you, right? But you keep showing up because nothing's going to keep you down. And I'm excited to see what this next year holds for you. Thank you. Thank you.
for being an example of persistence. Yeah. Well, Dad, um, most people know you here as the pastor of leadership development, but I know you as the, the man who would quickly tell me this is the way walk in it. And the word faith, a father of faith, there's uh, scripture after scripture where it talks about Abraham being a father of faith and uh, Isaac and Jacob and the, the legacy of history of, of fathers of faith. But the, the true ability to be a father of faith means that you have to stand on the word even when times get difficult. And I've got to see that from the inside out, whether it was health issues that you were battling or moments that you were uh, walking through trying times uh, as a pastor or as a leader. It was the, the faith in God that kept you grounded and rooted and moored in to, to the things that only God knows about in your prayer life and all the things that has held you up. But watching that really close has caused me to have a pathway that I'm, I got footsteps in front of me of faith. Thank you for the footsteps of faith. Mom, your word today is encouraging. And I think anybody that knows mom would say that yes and amen, right? The definition is to inspire with courage, spirit, or hope, or to spur on. And not only in my life personally, because you're like the greatest mother-in-law ever. And I say this all the time. When people make mother-in-law jokes, I don't get it because I have the best. But you are such a voice of encouragement in my life, the family's life. But any of those who know you or who have had just five minutes with you walk away feeling like I can do this. You, um, your timely words of encouragement and just support mean the world to me um, from the tiny things that you do. And I say tiny, like I just have to share this one little thing because it was such, it was just so precious. But like I had a house full of company last weekend as well as the co conference. And I come home one day and my refrigerator is full of stuff to feed my family and the, the um, my company. But also one, the Saturday morning when it was such a very early morning for us to be here, I was in the back getting ready. Everybody was asleep in the house and I walk out on my kitchen counter and there was Chick-fil-A minis with all kinds of jellies and the biscuits and everything laid out and for my whole, my family and um, our, my company. And not only was I like so overwhelmed but I also wondered how you got in there without me even hearing or my dog barking, kind of like, Mom, you could be a burglar in your next life. So anyways, but thank you for everything that you do and you encourage and cheer us on. We love you. Church family, would you stretch your hands out toward these amazing leaders that God has gifted us with? Lord, we thank you so much for each one of these amazing leaders and God, what you've given as gifts to the body of Christ and to us personally. Now, Lord, I pray that in the next season of the journey, the next leg of the journey, that you would give them the strength and the endurance and the persistence 
to be able to do what you're calling them to do, to be who you're calling them to be. God, I thank you for the assignment that's on these lives. And Lord, each one represents a call that's directly from you. But Lord, it's not by might, it's not by power, it is by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And so today, we not only celebrate them, but we pray over them, that Lord, they would be commissioned to do what you've called them to do and to be who you've called them to be and to God usher in the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Can you give it up once again for these amazing leaders? God bless you guys. You can go ahead and be seated. Man, we love them so much and we're so grateful, so grateful for the blessing that they are Well, I'm going to invite our elders, if you would head toward our stations of prayer today. I know that many of you have walked in here with needs, some of them significant, great needs that that you have before you. And today, I want you to know that God sees. God sees and he will provide. But I do believe that we have to step out in faith and ask him. The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. And so I'd encourage you to go to your elders during this time of prayer. You can go to either this side or this side uh, near our exit signs, near our prayer wall, or upstairs in the balcony. They'll be up there ready to receive you. But during these next few songs of worship, I'm believing for miracles to take place. And, And if you have a prayer need, you can go to the prayer wall and begin to write down your prayer request before the Lord and put that up as a, a faith statement that God still provides and he still performs miracles. Would you stand up and let's worship the king together.
rising sun shall pierce the night and I will rise among the saints my gaze transfixed on Jesus face come on anybody thankful for that today today. Lord, we set our eyes on you today, Jesus. We remember, we remember your life here on this earth, Lord. I just feel like with everything that's happening over in Israel today, it's important that we take time and reflect on the life of Jesus, where he walked, where he preached, where he taught, where he lived. It's where it all began. So Jesus, we thank you for your sacrifice and your sacrifice of even coming in the first place and the life that you lived. Thank you for the example that you've given us in your word of the life to live, the life to follow. So today we set our eyes on you, Lord. I hear the Savior say, thy strength. Crimson stain, he washed it away. 
Thank you, Jesus. Lord, let our lives be an example following after you. We owe everything to you, Jesus. So let us live worthy lives, an example of your love, God. We worship you. We honor you today above all else. You're the name above all names, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. We're nothing without you, Jesus. So today, we set our eyes on you, Lord. Amen. You may be seated. As we try to find a rhythm amongst the noise of this world, tuning the strings of our soul to feel we have a place in this orchestra of life, we find sometimes that we get lost amongst the oceans of sound. We dance and move our way through it all to find meaning, just trying to fit into this place and the people around us. Doing this on our own, we find we lose the rhythm. It's only through the grace of God that we truly find our place in this world. When we walk alongside Christ, He fills us with purpose. Only then we truly find our rhythm as we join in His orchestra. We learn to move in sync with God and His plan for us all. Letting God use us, the noise of this world becomes faint and the rhythm of God becomes clear. Amen. How many are thankful that Jesus is alive? Can you just put your hands together and celebrate all over this house? And can we give it up for those watching online right now? Hey, God bless you. Yeah, we love you. And listen, if you're ever in the Wiregrass area, we would so love to have you right here at Dothan First. And to make this your church home, we want you to feel connected to the body of Christ. And uh, listen, for those of you who are here for the very first time in the building, we want to give you a special shout out today. Can you once again give it up for those who are here for the first time here in the building? God bless you. Welcome. Well, go ahead, grab your copy of God's Word. If you don't have a Bible, let us know. We'll gladly get a Bible into your hands. We just want to make sure that you've got God's promises right there in front of you. And you can, of course, follow with us online today. Uh, we've got all of our notes available there as well. But can you say this with me? Say, I am. am. What well, God's Word says, I am. I can do. What well, God's Word said, I can do. I can become all that God said I could be. So today, I'll hear God's word, I'll receive God's word, and I'll obey God's word because I love his word. Now, as I do every week, you got to turn to your neighbor and tell him something positive. Give him a compliment of some kind. I just feel like it's important when you come into church to give a blessing to somebody else, to just give away what's been given to you. Tell him you look good, or you lost weight, or... I don't know. You look like you got good credit. I don't know. Just tell him something. Tell him. <laughs> hey, listen. Today, I want to, as you're turning, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 10. Um, I, I don't know. I, I had a moment as I was reflecting back on this pastor appreciation and specifically being able to honor and appreciate my parents along with the other staff pastors, I couldn't help but think of days where my mom would tell me to come home when the streetlights come on. Y'all remember, how many old school, you remember before all the video games where we actually got out and did something? Come on. 
before the social media where we're just kids are just staring at a phone we actually like got out and played and and rode bikes and did this well my mom would tell me come home when the street lights come on but the reason was because you got to be in your seat if you want to eat right you got to be at the table with your family because it's time to eat and I'm not gonna make two suppers I'm not gonna make a supper for you and a supper for them and a supper I'm making one dinner it's gonna be for everybody but you got to be at the table to get the food friends I want to encourage you God is calling his people back to the, the, the supper table he's calling people back to the house of God and we talked about that last week a little bit, that God is even calling in the hurting and the broken and those who have been disenfranchised. Uh, maybe they got hurt in a church somewhere and God's calling them back. And I spent the majority of our time talking about how we can embrace them back in and love them back into God's house. But God's calling his kids to eat and to dine and to feast at his table once again to remember the table of the Lord every week. And we know the Ten Commandments. One of the Ten Commandments that God gave in Scripture long, long ago was to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. But there was a reason for that. He wasn't just saying that you must do this because, you know, you'll get a gold star in heaven or, you, as I've said many times, or you'll get perfect attendance. It wasn't about trying to make your way to heaven. It was actually how to be able to survive on the earth. He gives you a Sabbath. He gives you a day of rest. And some people believe that that's just receiving the word of God. And that is absolutely one of the most important things that you can do. It is to receive the word of God. But now that you have access to the word of God online and you can pick out your preacher and you can, you know, sit home with your coffee and, and, and watch a minister online, I can just tell you out of all the great preaching and teaching, that's not the only reason Sabbath exists. It was so that we could corporately come together. That's why the Bible said that you have to make it holy, make it a priority, make it number one on the list for your benefit, spiritually and emotionally and relationally and physically, that literally we need, uh, biology tells us, we need this day of rest to be with each other weekly. God's calling us. Because there's people that are not following those commands and then they get burned out and stressed out and they become hungry and malnourished and wonder why they're not spiritually healthy. It's because they've forsaken the Lord's Supper, the time with the family of God. They've forsaken the Sabbath day. They've not made it holy. It, it was an extension of whatever the boss said at the job. It was if our country says that Sunday we should have off. Let me tell you, I, I, I'm not, not going to just stand up here and promote every business that's closed on Sunday, but I can tell you one of them that every Sunday I crave to have it, but they're closed on Sunday and they're killing their competitors. Even though Sunday is supposed to be the day that all the businesses thrive, they're still killing their competitors because they're making the Sabbath day holy unto the Lord. They're making it a priority corporately. Corporately, you want a financial blessing? Follow that formula. But it's so much more than a financial blessing. It's got to do with setting God as the priority, the, the top priority in your life. 
It's called worship. And we've been talking about this over the past number of weeks. But, but I will tell you that part of the reason for Sabbath is to consume the word of God. God is calling us to consume, to eat, to dine. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Let's look at it. And I'm only going to read half the scripture and then I'll pick it back up in just a little bit. But Hebrews chapter 10, 25. Let us not give up the habit. Everybody say habit. The habit of meeting together. How many know it's easy to break habits that haven't been fully established? Come to me on January 1st after you've gotten your brand spanking new membership to your gym, the local workout facility, whatever. And then let's see if by mid-February that you're doing as well as you did in January. And let's see in March or in September or October if you're doing as well as you did in January. It's easy to start a habit and then break a habit. And he's saying, you don't need to stop this one. Out of all the habits you need to have in your life, this one needs to be a priority because it's going to strengthen you in your physical health, in your spiritual health, and in your relational health. Jesus' food, the Bible says, was every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. His food was to do the will of the Father. He was the living bread. He is the living water. He is the manna that comes from heaven. He's our daily bread. And it seems as though the church corporately, and I'll say it even post-COVID especially, it seems like the church world at large is becoming, they, they look like a poster for a third world malnourished child on an infomercial. Spiritually speaking, the psalmist David said, let a passion for God's house consume me. Let me be passionate about it showing up in God's house. Let me be connected to his house. I'd rather, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. Then I'd rather spend just one day in the house of the Lord than thousands elsewhere. I'd, I'd rather be in his presence. I'd rather be gathered corporately. I'd rather hear the word corporately and, and to connect with one another spiritually than be anywhere else. The problem is we minimize this habit of connecting and we become malnourished. And mental health experts have said, if you begin to isolate yourself from others, which often we have, as I said, you can pay at the pump and you don't have to see anybody. You can pay with, check out yourself at the grocery store and you can open up your garage door and park your car and put it back down again, never talking to anybody, never seeing anybody. Teenagers or, or even young adults on their cell phones can all be seated in a room together, texting each other, never looking each other in the eyes and you miss moments you become so isolated there's this generational isolation that we find ourselves and and this this we've got to have a commitment to connection to have fellowship these studies show that you'll be three times more likely to die an early death if you don't commit to connection four times more likely to suffer an emotional burnout, five times more likely to be clinically depressed, 10 times more likely to be hospitalized for a, a mental or an emotional breakdown or disorder. Friends, we need each other and we need the house of the Lord. You need supportive, encouraging, godly relationships that you can meet together with weekly. And I can just tell you on average, it used to be that Gallup poll would say that, you know, if someone was a, consider themselves a regular church member, that they'd be there like, 
I don't know, three to four times in any given month that they might miss a Sunday, possibly. Now it's a regular attender says that they only go once a month. Now, listen, I have to tell you, this is a statistic for disaster. God's calling us to connect. And there is, by the way, a strange dichotomy, two unique groups of people that I want to talk to for just a couple of seconds. And y'all be uh, real patient with me as I begin to describe something that I see uh, globally, not just personally. I'm, matter of fact, in many ways, I am speaking globally and not just personally. But if this applies to you, then you can just go ahead and receive it. But it seems like that pastors are begging one group to show up and begging another group to leave. Now, I, I'm not saying leave the church. I'm not talking about get out of the church. I'm not, <clears throat> that's not what I'm talking about. But we've got one group that doesn't show up regularly, that if everybody showed up, they're considered don't the first mem uh, membership at this church or uh, attendee at this church. If everybody showed up at once, we'd have to have three or four services and we never fit you all in at once, which is great, right? But th th there is a group that, that leans into convenience. It's only they're there, there when it's convenient. They're not following the Sabbath. Uh, they don't have that consistency and that consistency was meant for your spiritual and emotional and relational health, right? But then there's others, others who have not given up the habit of meeting. They just keep eating and never leave the table to go exercise their faith. So one group I'm trying to roll in that's malnourished. The other ones I'm trying to roll out so they can actually do something for the kingdom of God to make a difference in the world, to exercise their faith. Now, friends, God doesn't hide his purposes from us. He's made it abundantly clear throughout the scriptures we talked about last week, worship was one of the most significant things we could do. We could put God first in every way. His laws, his mandates, everything about God, we put him first. But I also talked about not just loving God, but loving others, that we have to come together as the body of Christ. How can you love somebody you never spend any time with? How can you love somebody and really and never connect to them or never build relationship or never have community or never pray together or talk together or dream together or cry together or laugh together? All these things that are human emotions, we have to have friendships and relationships to stay connected to his family. I used an illustration a number of weeks ago of that little gazelle that's out in the Serengeti and the lion is just waiting, just crouched down, ready to devour the isolated gazelle. And that's the same thing the devil's trying to do for us is he comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And he's just waiting for you to not give a connection, to, to not be motivated to connect to the body of Christ. And as soon as you get to be a straggler, he's got you right where he wants you. That's why the, one of the first things God said after he made man is it's not good for man to be alone. We need each other in relationships. Relationships are, are for our good, for our benefit. The Sabbath is for our benefit. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is for your benefit. Not to, be, to, to have shallow relationships, but to have significant ones. I've, seen, I've never seen a society like this where we, we highlight pseudo and superficial relationships. Well, we're friends on Facebook. Well, listen, you may like their posts, but do you know their pain? Do you know their problems? Do you even know the person? Do you speak into who God made them to be? 
Let's be honest. Did you just follow them so that they would follow you back so you could up your stats? Come on, somebody. Are they really a friend? Are you interested in investing in them or are you just interested in getting something out of them? It just seems like we've become less committed to pouring our lives into others. We're interested in what we can get out of relationships rather than what we can give to them. And I can just tell you, that will never work. The joy of the journey, actually, uh, the joy of, of celebrating who God made you to be is that you can actually have something to give. To pour back into others is the greatest joy of life. You will find more joy. As a matter of fact, when we become so self-focused and self-centered, then we've got to have all this extra self-care. And after the self-care, and I'm not saying you shouldn't take care of yourself, but after a while you get so self-centered that you're not others-focused and you lose joy. People are clinically depressed because they never give. They always simply want to find ways to receive. And those are pseudo-relationships. Let's go back to Hebrews 10, 25. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together. Instead, let us come to church so that we can always have our way and always have it exactly our way. Have church be Burger King so that you can have it your way. Instead, you ought to come so that you can always be encouraged and you can always receive a word. Is that what it says? Instead, let us look encourage one another not to be encouraged but to come with a word of encouragement to be a blessing not just to be blessed i hope you are blessed in this church but that you would be a blessing you would come with a smile on your face to give away rather than looking for the smile to receive are you following this it's so important you get the reason for church because sometimes we miss out on why we're here we're not just here to receive. Yes, we are here to receive, but it's also that we would give. We would give of ourselves. Every time you're in a small group setting or in a worship setting or in a corporate gathering like we're here today, you've got to find ways to encourage each other. Don't give up the habit of encouraging each other. You were created for relationships. And if you're not in a small group, you need to get in one because small groups are the heartbeat of Dothan First. You need to get connected and get involved and find ways to pray with people and care about other people other than yourself. The Bible tells us we've got a longing for belonging, to feel connected, to do life together. Christianity was never meant to be a solo act, friends. We need each other. So you need to ask yourself this question, in what ways does God want you to connect with other believers? He gives us this practical model in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, uh, the first church in Jerusalem practiced this, it's verses 41, 42, and 46, it says this, here's what they did, those who believed were baptized and added to the church, all the believers devoted themselves, everybody say devoted themselves, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to prayer. They worshiped together regularly. Everybody say regularly. At the temple. And then they met in small groups in homes. So note the order here. First, he wants you to believe. To believe in Jesus Christ. To make God uh, first in your life. 
to accept Jesus Christ and his love for you. And then the second is the next best step after salvation is baptism. He wants you to be baptized. And then the Bible says that they joined a church family, that they got connected with consistent fellowship, that they regularly worshiped together and had Bible study together. They connected relationally in small groups and in homes. And that's why we have Grow Track. That's why we've got life groups. That's why we've got opportunities consistently on Sundays or on Wednesdays to make sure we don't miss the habit. So which of these steps have you taken out of those five I just mentioned? Those are biblical principles. Which ones have you left out? If you haven't gotten through one of those, then go back and make sure you do them. And if you're already doing all five, keep doing them consistently. Keep on worshiping. God is also calling us to contribute. Not just to consume or to connect, but to contribute. God doesn't want you just in the house. He wants you contributing in the house. He wants you rooted and grounded in the house of God so that you can contribute. Let's look at it. Matthew chapter 7. Most of you remember this parable. Starting at verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine, and here it is, puts them into practice. Everybody say, puts them into practice. Right? This is not just about hearing. This is about doing. It says, it's like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against that house. And yet, here it is, it did not fall. Everybody say, it did not fall. Why didn't it fall? It says, because it had its foundation on the rock. The Bible says, but everyone who hears these words of mine, now they were still there listening. Y'all, just like you are today, you're hearing it. He says, those who were also hearing these words of mine, but does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains came and the streams rose and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell with a great crash. How many know, friends, I can see it on the horizon. The storm clouds are there. The storms are coming. It's crystal clear. Turn on the news. You'll see plenty of it. The storms have not, are not just coming. The storms are here. And you've got to be ready to take on the storms. I never forget during Hurricane Michael. How many of you were here living in this area or just, you know, got affected by Hurricane Michael? Come on, put up your hands. Y'all remember that? Listen, the only reason my house stood, it wasn't because of the aesthetics. It wasn't because of my wife is a great decorator, although she is. It's not because of the furnishings inside the house. It's not because of the pretty flooring or the particular paint we put on the walls. It was because of the foundation, friends. That's what kept it when the storms came and, and beat against the house. And so it is with you. The storms of life are beating against the house of your spiritual life. And you will not last without the deep-rooted foundation in God's word and in God's house and with God's family. You've got to be committed. You've got to be committed. I'm not saying that, by the way, if you have a good foundation, storms won't come. <laughs> yeah, they will come. It's just that when you have the deep-rooted foundation, the storms can come and we will be safe in the middle of the storm. One of the things that I've learned about having a deep foundation is that it gives us balance. 
That's why we talked about in Matthew 22 of loving God and loving people. And if you've ever had this before, uh, my, sometimes uh, we'll come back from a trip and I'll take the suitcases out and I've got two heavy ones and I, get, I, I put one on each side instead of just carrying one where I'm lopsided. I'll carry two because it's easier to distribute the weight. And God uses the love God and love people principle to keep us rooted, grounded, and balanced. Because it's easy to love God. And sometimes we love God and we hate people. And he's like, you're imbalanced. You're out of balance. Other people love people so much that they never want to use God's word as the standard anymore. And they just use love as a way to overlook these, these glaring issues of morality or of, or of specifically biblical theology and doctrine. They're out of balance. They love people so much they stop loving God. We need to be in balance to carry both of those things. Psalm 92, 13, I love this scripture. It says, those who are planted, everybody say planted. Planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. He's saying the roots got to grow deep. If you're going to be effective, you will be most effective where you are most invested. That's the way that it is. To have a good foundation to stand against persecution. To be rooted and grounded in the house of God. And finally, the, God is calling us to commit. Not just to commit to him, but to commit to his house and to his family. He wants you committed and connected so you can contribute. Listen, friends, the reason that we enjoyed having that fellowship around the table with my kids where they could all eat and be full so that they could have nutrition in their bodies was they, so they could be healthy and strong so that they could contribute to the household. That was part of the blessing was they were, they, they were strong and healthy. Therefore, they could contribute in a positive way. They had chores. They had responsibilities. Friends, when you're in a house, you got responsibilities. Being committed to Jesus and to his church and to his family is a responsibility. And the things that I'm seeing out of COVID is we've leaned into convenience rather than commitment. And we're just going through the motions of commitment with not really having commitment. It's like, a, it's, it's like a, a wedding without looking at the marriage. The wedding is nice. It's pretty. It's frilly. It's got all the niceties to it. People have spent a lot of money and they go into deep debt and great time to put these decorations together for one moment that's so important. But listen, they don't work on the marriage. You know, when, you know when you know you're deep rooted and grounded when all hell breaks loose in your home, not when everything's yippy skippy and everybody's happy. And often it's the same way in the church. You can find that the deeper those roots go down and the more invested we are, the less someone's offhanded remark, because we're all frail and we all make mistakes and sometimes something comes out of our mouth that shouldn't have come out of our mouth and we happen to be representing God at the time. And so members recognize that as another believer makes a silly mistake or says something foolish or, or stupid to you, that you don't become so offended that you leave the house of God and abandon the family of God. You go, oh, I got to love God and love people. <laughs> I got to love God and love people. Are you in it for what you can get out of it or are you in it to get something to give to it? 
Your marriage is only going to be as good as what you're willing to give to it, not what you're looking to get out of it. Friends, listen, we have a responsibility in relationships, in all relationships. We have a responsibility, and that responsibility is to reciprocity. It means giving more than you're looking to get out of it. In every relationship, this idea of reciprocity. Friends, do you, let me ask you something. In your relationships with the Lord, with your church family, with your spouse, with your kids, do you give as much as you get? And if you find yourself that you're, you're trying to get more than you give, you're going to be bankrupt very soon relationally. You got to have that in order to have a committed relationship. I see families that are uncommitted to each other. And the storms come. And it doesn't take but a few raindrops and a little bit of wind and all of a sudden they're, they're history. I'm trying to build in you a sense of commitment to each other and to relationship and to the body of Christ and to the house of God. Sometimes we become casual in areas that we need to be committed to. I, I have to say that I, I was overjoyed this morning. We have our prayer time at 9 a.m. for those who are serving and uh, to, in order to run a service here at this church effectively, we have to have about 100 volunteers that show up early to make sure that you're taken care of, which is amazing that 100 people are out serving and covering and caring so that you can come in and feel comfortable. But friends, it's not our calling to be comfortable. It's our, call, it's our calling to be committed. So some of us are sitting on a talent that God's saying you need to use for his glory to bless others in the body of Christ. It's the parable of the talents all over again. You remember that story in Matthew 25. He said he gave five to one, he gave two to another, he gave one to another. The five doubled it and gave five more and got ten. The two doubled it, they invested it, they made a, an impact, and then they gave double back. The one that didn't give anything, he said, you are lazy and wicked because you buried it in the ground instead of planting it. We've got to plant a seed in order to get a harvest. In parenting, it's the same way. We raise our kids. We've got a half-committed husband and a half-committed wife, and we're raising and producing half-committed kids. Listen, because those kids will be what they see, and you are reflecting what you feel is the priority of your household, and you're wondering why your kids are off the rails and going astray and don't love Jesus anymore and don't love the house of God anymore. I'm not saying those kids, when they get grown, don't have a personal responsibility to know God's word and to follow God's word, but they've They've never seen the priority in your home and it's never been as an instruction to them, then they're going to lose the battle spiritually. They're already five marks behind. It's the cost of commitment. The cost of discipleship to take up your cross and follow him. The worship team would come as we prepare to close. I have to be honest that I really don't get it. I don't get it. And I don't sense, by the way, this specifically in our church. So, so don't mishear what I'm saying. But an overall lack of commitment to the Sabbath, which is actually a blessing to you and a benefit to you. I, I don't understand why we would shoot ourselves in the foot and wonder why we limp. I just can't understand it. 
I, I wasn't raised in a halfway commitment household. I just wasn't. I got to tell you, the only reason that I'm standing before you today is these two lived out a faithful and committed life where they showed me the way, they taught me the way, and they expected me to walk in the way. I got to tell you, from the time I was little, I never understood a halfway commitment. Listen, friends, when I, when I wanted to play basketball and my coach told me I was too short to be able to play, let me tell you something, the best thing that coach could have told me was I couldn't do it. Because that made me want to work all the harder. And I can just tell you, as a Michigan boy, I would get out there and shovel the driveway in six feet of snow. My, the, the, the net would be frozen and I'd be shooting free throws till my fingers were blue. Because all I knew was commitment. That if you want something, you got to work for it. When I want, my parents can attest to this. When I wanted to play the drums... It bothered me so much. I couldn't be good and I couldn't be good. And I'm five years old and six years old and seven years old. I, I just couldn't get the beat down. And I couldn't get this down. And I would play till my fingers would bleed and sweat's dripping off. To beat a silly drum, I would put all that time and all that energy and all that commitment in because I don't know what halfway commitment looks like. And when I came to Jesus, and when I committed my life to him, and when I said yes to him, and when I said yes to his calling, all I knew was full-time commitment. All I knew was take up your cross and follow him. All I knew was go after God with a passion. All I knew was persistence. All I knew was put your hands to work because greatness doesn't go on sale. It always costs something, and it's a great cost, and it's a consistent cost. It's a persistence to know God and to love God and to choose God every day and then to take 30 years of my life and to put the practice in to be able to say, God, I want to be good at winning souls. I want to be good at loving people. I want to be good. I got to practice. And you know when practice is hardest and when it costs the most? It's when you say you want to love God and then you have a disappointment in your life. You pray about something and it doesn't come to pass like you thought it would. Yeah, that's when it's hard to love God. When you have questions and they're not answered the way you want them to be. It's when you, you say something and you, you be kind to someone and then they're mean back to you and they have the label of Christianity or Christ on them and, and it hurts and then you go, I, I, I don't want to practice anymore and we want to give up. Friends, I got to tell you, the only way to greatness is practicing hard and consistently. To giving it all you have. Friends, I, I can't imagine waking up in heaven one day and missing every moment to be great because I wasn't willing to give it all I had. Some of you maybe in this room or watching online, you've never known the joy of giving it all you had. You've given a half-hearted commitment to your schoolwork, to your extracurricular activities. You've given a halfway commitment to the Lord and his purposes for your life, to the reading of his word or to getting deep into his word, the study of his word, to knowing who he is, to connecting in worship or, or being a part of the Sabbath and celebrating who God made you to be every week by worshiping him with your hands and your mouth to give a half-hearted commitment to your marriage and to never know what it's like to have a good marriage because you never wanted to make the investment until you saw the first the return. Friends, I don't know any place that you get a return first before you put in the investment. 
It takes work and effort and energy and commitment. And it's when the times are the toughest and you don't want to give. That's when God calls you to pour in. Why? Because that's the strength. That's the root system that goes deep. And my question to you as a pastor, as a leader, and as a friend is, will you wake up one day in heaven asking in a moment where God says to you, what did you do with what I gave you? And he looks at you and he calls you a lazy servant for burying the talent in the ground that God gave you. So what if you're not a 10-talent person? Who cares? If you're a one-talent person, you better make it two. Take what you've got and give it to God and give it consistently and give it faithfully and give it persistently and see how God blesses and see how God multiplies and see how God adds and gives value. Friends, I got to tell you, in my lifetime, everywhere I've gone, my heart has not been, where can I sit in the, the special seat? It's where can I serve? Where can I get connected? Where can I make a difference? Friends, I hope to God every moment of every place I've ever been that I added value everywhere I went. Let it never be said of us that we're like those diet pills, those infomercials on TV that look good but do nothing. Let us be somebody that when they look at you and they read your Instagram post or your social media ads, that they actually, when they, they see you, they actually get what they bargained for. That they get more than what they bargained for. Let it be said of you that you represent Christ so well, so well, that this world comes to know Jesus as a result of your hard work. Your work for Christ will not be in vain. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for calling us back to your house. And Lord, I thank you for the commitment that you made to us. When you came to this earth and lived a sinless life and died on a cruel cross for our sins, that we might be set free that you loved us before we even knew we needed your love. You forgave us before we even knew we needed forgiveness. And today we celebrate you, Lord. We celebrate your goodness to us. But Lord, in any good relationship, there needs to be reciprocity where, Lord, you give and we give. And Lord, I pray that for as much as you've given us, you said to whom much is given, much is required. So I pray in this room, we would give our all to you. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed for just another moment, there may be some in this room or watching online, you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come in and be first place in my life, first priority, that he has all of me, every area, nothing hidden, no hidden agendas, no part where you say, I'm keeping this to myself. No, you give it all to him, taking up your cross and following him daily. That's the measure of your success spiritually. And today I'm inviting you into this moment of reflection where you can say yes to him. Matter of fact, in this room with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you and you'd say, Mark, I need Jesus to come into my life or maybe a first time decision to make him Lord or maybe you need to come back to the Lord and make him first priority again. Or maybe for some of you in the room, you've worn that religious mask, but you've not really had deep relationship. And today God's calling you. He's calling you to him. If there's sins that need to be forgiven, whatever it might be, 
with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm going to invite you to slip up your hand, acknowledging by the raised hand to God and to me. Mark, that's me. Include me in this prayer. I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to judge you. I want to invite you into this moment all over this place right now if that's you. Slip up your hand. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Yes, God bless you. Over here. Yes, in the back, in the balcony. God bless you over here. Yes. Under the balcony, yes, God bless you. Anybody else? That's you today. God bless you. This is a moment between you and the Lord. Take inventory of your life. Is he first place? Is he first priority? Look at your calendar. <laughs> Look at your checkbook. Look at the areas that truly prove what you prioritize. Is he first? If he's not first in every area, this is a moment to give it to him. Say yes to him. God bless you, yes. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. I'm glad I'm waiting. God bless you. Anybody else? Just give it to him right now. God bless you. You can put your hands down. I'm going to invite everybody in this room to give all to Jesus. We sang about it this morning. To give all to him. Everything, every area, every broken piece of your heart, every wound, Every moment you were disappointed, this is a moment to say, God, I give it all to you. I give you my all. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Everybody in the room, but especially you who lifted your hands, pray this with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I repent for all I've done wrong. I believe that you died and rose again for me. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for changing me. I choose to trust you with every area of my life. Now fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you stand up all over this place? Give God praise and celebrate who he is as the worship team leads us. Come on, let's worship the king together. takes a lot of effort and a lot of energy to do things for the kingdom of God, for your marriage, for your children. I know it costs you something. Every time you do something, it costs you something. But that cost of commitment reaps a reward both here and in eternity. And I want to release you with a blessing that you might receive every reward for the cost of your commitment. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and bring you peace. And may the Lord write, our God, write his name on your heart and declare you're my children. No one can take you from my hand. May you know the love of your Savior that came and died for you and rescued you. And I pray that today you would receive every good and perfect gift that comes from above. May you receive your reward today. I bless you to be rewarded for the kingdom of God, for the value that you've placed in the commitment of your life. And I bless you to bless those around you, to love them well, to encourage them, and to go after giving more than getting. I bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to release some of our leaders right now to head toward the back. But if you're a first-time guest in the house, we would love to have you connect with us at our guest reception right after this service. We love you. God bless you. We'll see you next week. You're dismissed. <laughs>